All right, we're live. All right, we are back. This is, oh, I stumbled my words. <laughs> this is <laughs> Talk with Army and... Today, we are going to be talking about basically the discourse that's been happening on Twitter for the past few months, it seems like, in which the fandom is not, uh, basically, there is this idea on Twitter that fandoms are pointless without the GP, and that if you want to be truly successful, you need the general public. And we're going to talk about why that is absolutely ridiculous and stupid as hell. Exactly. So um, before we get into this, we're going to start with some definitions, everybody's favorite. Um, so basically, for anyone who doesn't know what the GP is, GP literally just stands for general public. And um, basically, general public are not dedicated fans. They are... They're, they're like the average citizen, I would say. They're just like some average Joe on the street. And a lot of them may listen to mainstream acts, but they don't actively follow them or their releases or know any information about them as people, et cetera, et cetera. You get the point. So general public basically are not what you would really expect if you were to think about somebody who was in a fandom. They're not the type of people to be in fandoms. That's why they're general. Yep. I mean, it makes sense that some people might know of someone or maybe have a few songs to their streaming playlist, but there's, you know, lots of factors that go into how people discover music artists but don't become fans, and we'll get into that later, but basically, GP may listen to, you know, big names, but aren't really keeping up with them they just liked the song and put it in their playlist and kept it moving yeah there's definitely i feel a lot more complexity to the term gp because some people would consider gp to just not be um an active fan of like any music artist at all some people would consider it as Maybe you'd be a general public listener to one artist, or but not to another. Maybe you might be in just a different fandom or something like that. Um, I feel like general public and the, you know the term casual listener are pretty interlinked because I mean general public do exactly that when it comes to a specific act. For example, if I was kind of like a general public listener compared to like I don't know an army, then I would be. Either, I would either know of BTS or I might just casually listen to a few of their songs, but I'm not in ARMY. Uh, and I may not even consider becoming an ARMY. So there, there's there's a lot of intersection with that kind of thing. Yeah, so with that out of the way, let's just dive into how this illusion that if you have GC, GP if you have GP support, that means you are successful and that GP support is like the key necessity in reaching fame, I guess. I don't know. Like people say that um, if the GP knows you and if the GP is listening, then that is a measure of success. And we're basically going to break down why that is false right now 
Yeah, so the thing with GP is that if you, you know, are an artist and you have, you know, GP supporters, there's absolutely nothing wrong with having GP support. However, people who think that, you know, authenticity or, you know, somebody's impact is determined by how many GP listeners they have in comparison to the actual fandom itself of that artist. The reason why I don't like this argument is because when it comes to GP support, like I said before, GP are not dedicated fans. Um, and actually, a lot of GP prefer to stream releases rather than do things like purchase physical albums or buy merchandise or attend concerts. And all three of these things are ways that are ways in which artists, you know, really make their money. A lot of people would say, oh, but if an artist has, you know, a lot of streams, surely they're making money. Uh, no. no, especially if not. you're like on Spotify. Um, Spotify takes so much money from the artists on their platform. So barely any of that money will ever actually reach the artist. It's going to reach whoever is, you know, some rich executive in Spotify first, then it's going to reach, you know, that artist label, and then it'll reach the artist. But by the time it reaches the artist, they barely have like even a quarter of the percentage of what they should be earning from that music. Exactly. And then the next thing is that the general public is so fickle because we see music trends go in and out. Like a few years ago, maybe let's say like 2016, it was more really R&B um, type songs. I feel that we're topping the charts. Uh, you know, artists like Drake, Rihanna, etc. Mm. And now if you look at the charts, it's more pop music that is currently dominating. I mean, sure, you have some outliers that are dominating. Like, you still have the weekend charting, but, I mean, you look and you see Lil Nas X, for example, who's kind of in between pop and rap, so... Um, Megan Thee Stallion, who am I also am I thinking of, you know, Cardi B, stuff like that. And so the rest are what we think of pop. So either it be alternative or, I don't know, because pop is like very diverse, but I'm thinking like Taylor Swift, Olivia Rodrigo, like that type of pop music is what's on the charts. And it wasn't what was trending three, four, five, six years ago. And we're probably going to see that shift change maybe in the next year or two because that's just how music works. It's a trend. And if you're someone that also listens to K-pop, you also know that there's trends in K-pop. There will be like a whole summer where everyone's like, okay, we're going to do tropical house music. And then, <laughs> and then there's going to be, um, like for example, last year everyone was doing like a retro type comeback everyone was doing like 80s 70s inspired comebacks and so if music is constantly the trends in music are constantly changing and the gp's taste is constantly changing if an artist is making a specific type of music and they don't adapt to those trends then they're gonna lose out on the gp so it really makes no sense that, you know, the GP are what's important when they easily just move on from who's ever mainstream at the moment and then move on to the next one. 
And so if artists are relying on the GP, they are just constantly in danger of being overshadowed by whoever the next biggest thing. Exactly. And I feel like people really don't think about this when they use this argument because yes gp if you have like a lot of people who are listening to your stuff who may not even be fans and like maybe you might even become a household name that's cool but when it comes to actually sticking around and establishing yourself within the mainstream it is so important to have a fandom because gps i've said this before gps might be able to make you popular but they cannot help you maintain that popularity because the second that some other act comes up that's either bigger or more interesting than you they're just gonna drop you and then that's your whole career like basically down the toilet like i don't know why people want this for themselves and we're gonna get into it a little bit later but that's also why it's important for fan bases to exist and why it's important for fan bases to put in some effort because I what I see from for example let's say Olivia Rodrigo stands you know they Mm. see all the success she's getting but I don't feel from them that they are going to put in a lot of work to organize streaming parties and to really focus on buying her next album it seems that they are you know basking in the success of her they don't understand that a lot of this is her label and so because these fans have this illusion that she's super popular and super successful and to an extent that's true but what happens when she releases an album next year and she's not going to have the same stream she's not going to have the same push from her label because her label would have already moved on to another star right people really don't think this through um and when it comes to these artists i feel like it's doing them a disservice to just bask in their success without really taking the steps to understand how that success has come around and how you can potentially maintain it Um, But again, that's something that we're going to get onto a little bit later. And another reason why um, GP support is not optimal is because, you know, a lot of times, you know, the GP doesn't really care about the person behind the artist. Again, like we've talked about, GP may know of an artist, but they don't really know that artist. And so um, when it comes to connections with the audience, uh, artists aren't really getting that with general public who really isn't invested in their story or in anything about them as a person compared to somebody who does have a dedicated uh, who does have a dedicated fan base who are interested in learning more about that artist aside from like their latest singles right exactly i think there is you know a lot of people go on about oh parasocial relationships and whatnot but i think that there does need to be some source some source of personability you know in Mm. order to really build a let's say solid consumer base for example i think the reason why a lot of people look at influencers and influencer culture like who are the big youtubers and the big instagram and tiktok stars and like the reason why influencers are becoming the new celebrities is because celebrities don't feel attainable. They're on a level that 
you know, you don't really care about because it's like you can't relate to these people. They make like a hundred million dollars a year, and it doesn't matter how much they try to relate, like, it's not happening. So that's why TikTok stars and YouTubers. They are the new celebrities because they feel closer, they feel more personable, they feel more like the average person. And I think it's important that people feel that personability from music artists and that's how you build a fandom. You can't just be uh, just be famous and rich. Like it's not enough. Yeah, it's not enough. And you know, something I really do notice is that when it comes to parasocial relationships, a lot of people use the term in a derogatory way, but parasocial relationships aren't inherently bad or good. They just kind of are. So when people, you know, kind of use that as sort of a drag, it's like, I don't really think, I don't really think that's fair or right, because there are plenty of times where we do have parasocial relationships, but just with other things. I'm sure like a lot of people who get at us for having a parasocial relationship with BTS are probably the same people who have a parasocial relationship with like, I don't know, some YouTuber or somebody on Instagram or somebody on a different social platform. We all have our own types of relationships. Whether or not you choose to acknowledge it, though, is up to you. Exactly. There's, I don't know, they, they try to have like this gotcha moment where they're like, BTS don't even know who you are. As if like, I... As if I didn't know that. <laughs> like It's like, I, why are you telling me the obvious? <laughs> like, trust me, I'm well aware they don't know of my existence. They don't know of this podcast existence. But you know what? Uh, I don't care. So we move on. <laughs> right. Like, they really think they that, really thought like, that was going to ruin my day. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you think I don't know that I do not have Namjoon's phone number. As much as I would like to call him whenever I want to, that is not the case. This is not reality, guys. Uh, press F to pay respects. But anyway, <laughs> when it comes to that, I feel like there really is no problem with the parasocial relationship because the same people who are you know, getting on us for having a parasocial relationship with BTS are the same people who are up under, I don't know, some random Minecraft YouTubers channel posting I love you comments every single day. So you can't come at me. You can't come at any of us here. But anyway, the next point we have as to why there's such an illusion of GP support is because a lot of times what is typically seen as GP support is actually labeled payola. And so it gives the illusion that an artist is bigger than they actually are. And Delilah touched on this a little bit earlier when she was talking about Olivia Rodrigo. There's been a lot of discussion about Olivia Rodrigo. And we've mentioned her once or twice or something on our podcast. And a lot of people would refer to her as what people know as an industry plan. And what an industry plan is, is when uh, basically an, um, a label or, you know, just industry in general pushes somebody to make it look like they've had an organic come up when really they've been backed by a massive label this entire time. Um, and it's kind of generating some sort of like rags to riches success story when that's really not the case. So when it comes to Olivia Rodrigo, a lot of people would consider her as like textbook definition of an industry plant. I personally believe so. And, you know, when it comes to label payola, um, what payola is, is just a practice of um, kind of bribery where, you know, 
for example, a label might pay a radio station to give the artist that they manage more spins. And then because of more skin, uh, more spins that gives their artists more exposure, et cetera, et cetera. So it's things like that where, um, you know, people think that an artist is like doing really well and they have a lot of fans. But in reality, the reason why you see them everywhere or the reason why um, they might seem like they're popular is simply because of an industry push. Like there was that article a few days ago that referred to Olivia as a self-made artist. And I'm glad a lot of people that, you know, not even I'm, it's just like lots of people were quoting it with like, what are you talking about? She, she's a Disney star. Like she, she didn't, you know, build herself up making beats in her room and then like got discovered somewhat. Like I would even call, I would even call Justin Bieber a self-made artist over Olivia because he was, well, he was found um, through like a YouTube dance cover or something like that. So no, she, she was a singer slash actress on a Disney Plus show. Uh, which, by the way, um, would have already gotten some buzz because it was High School Musical the Musical. So if you know hmm. the original High School Musical, then High School Musical the Musical is also playing off that nostalgia factor. So there's definitely going to be some buildup there. And when you have someone who's the main lead of a Disney show, and then their suddenly their debut album and all of their songs are number one it i mean it kind of makes sense because it's like oh okay you know they're a disney star but yeah that's the point they're a disney star they did they did not have to work to be number one they didn't have this steady ascent because since they were lucky enough to be a part of a large label and be a part of a large company like Disney, of course they're going to reach massive success, right? It's like, um, it would be, I don't know, I'm trying to think, it would be like, for example, I mean, it's sort of Disney, but it's like if you, on your audition, you got cast to be in a new Marvel movie and from then on you get like lots and lots and lots of roles like you there was a little bit of luck involved to get like such a major role but you're you're getting all of these roles not because you were this starving artist that slowly got small role after small role and made your way up you got lucky landed a big role and now success is pretty much guaranteed And even then, when it comes to Olivia, I don't know if success is guaranteed, because I don't know if her label's going to move on by the end of this year. Yeah, like, that's a whole different conversation for another time. And obviously, like, don't get us wrong, this is not us saying that Olivia is completely untalented and she doesn't deserve, like, any success, period. But I'm just really not satisfied with the way that her label is pushing her. And I feel like if they had just allowed her to have more of a natural come up, then she would have gotten the success that, you know, this industry is trying to kind of force onto like into like media and whatever, because just the way that they're reporting her, 
I remember there was like a huge buzz of like how, um, cause there's that article, I think like a few months ago about how like the bridge of like driver's license was apparently like the best of this century. And people were like, of this century? Really? <laughs> like in the past <laughs> uh, 21 years, if we're talking about, you know, the 21st century, you're saying that and I love the bridge to driver's license. Don't get me wrong. I actually really like driver's license, okay? But you're telling me that that bridge is, like, the best bridge in, like, the past 20 years? Like, that's how we know. Like, come on, guys. You, someone was definitely paid to write that headline. Let's be real. And, like, doing stuff like breaking the records of somebody like Drake, like, the Drake himself. Um, I don't remember what record it was of Drake's that Olivia Rodrigo broke, but, you know, just things like that. I was just like, um, okay, because, like, I definitely know that if we're going to be comparing GP support, if anyone has mo the most GP support, is 100% Drake over Olivia, so it baffles me when I see numbers like that and how she so easily surpassed a record of Drake's like that. Meanwhile, like the sales were kind of just not matching and I was I was very confused. I, I found it says, I'm trying to see which exactly, oh my gosh, um, my cat is crawling on me and all over my computer again, great. But yeah, driver's license, is the first single to spend its first seven weeks at number one since Drake's 2018 God Plan. And God Plan was like God a Plan was huge. huge. It was everywhere. So, like, when I see her breaking records like that, when she's basically been around for like barely any time at all, like, like when did when did Driver's License actually come out? Driver's License, I think it came out towards the end of last year I, I i would be surprised if it was this year but also you know this year has been probably even longer than last year so let me just see oh yeah it, it looks like oh my gosh i'm so confused when did it come out? oh so it came out january 8th so like very beginning of this year so it's only been like just over um what is it it's august now so it's been just over seven months since this song came out sorry eight months um so it's like in eight months she managed to beat a record for a three-year-old song that is like one of the biggest songs i think of 2018 like god's plan like that honestly is very sus to me but again another also, conversation it also day. um another record it broke the spotify record for like the most single day streams on its fourth day of release hmm so interesting like, it's it's really it really is crazy and in fact i opened up spotify today because of course i would you know they spotify all the time um and you she is once again like on the front page of my spotify cover because driver's license was a driver's license i think so um it was either pretty sure it was but driver's license had reached one billion um streams and so now she's part of like the one billion club and that was being promoted to me on my spotify front page 
Also, remember when uh, one of her music videos, was it good for you or something, uh, was um, being promoted and then like some uh, K-Army went and took a screenshot of an ad she saw on her YouTube at how the music video was being advertised as being in competition with BTS's Butter yes, for number I, one. Yes, I saw that. And it's like, how are you going to be shamelessly advertising like that and then expect people not to believe that she's a plant or that she's not getting industry push i just don't get it yeah like it makes it really makes no sense because okay yeah she's a disney star i i don't remember this happening with you know selena gomez demi lovato miley cyrus and you could argue since that was around you know mid 2000s 2000 early 2010s that social media was a little bit smaller back then but i don't know it still it still feels very odd to me right because there are plenty of uh people who've come out of disney who went and changed their career towards singing and just music in general and i've never really seen a case like olivia rodrigo so I mean, it's just something that you definitely need to consider. Again, when people think that there's like a lot of GP support, pay attention because a lot of times, like, it's not fully GP. That's all we're going to say on that section. But moving on to the next section, um, we also want to talk about why having a dedicated fan base isn't a drag because we've told you about all the reasons why relying on GP support isn't great. So why should you rely on a dedicated fan base? Well, we'll tell you. One of the first reasons why is having, you know, the ability to convert somebody from a GP to a fan is proof of that artist's impact. And it shows that people are genuinely invested in their music. And, you know, an example of this is BTS's GP to fan conversion rate, because, you know, if anybody has followed me on uh, my main Twitter account, um, you know, there was a point in time where I had run polls on my account where I asked people, before you became an army, what were you? Were you a K-pop fan or were you part of the GP? And um, I remember for both of those interviews, uh, sorry, both of those polls, they got um, around seven to eight thousand responses uh, for two of them, and around eighty percent for both polls said that they were GP before they were army. And so it goes to show you how insane BTS's conversion rates are because around 80% of people who check them out are going to become fans. And even though it is, uh, I guess, how do I phrase this? A smaller sample size. I mean, if you look at their YouTube uh, promotional videos, and I know promotional videos is the right word, but I mean... Uh, things that are more marketed to the general public, like their NPR performance or mm. carpool karaoke. You you read the comments. Um, their MTV Unplugged. You read the comments, and you see so many people saying, "Wow, like this is this is the video that made me an army." Or uh, I just watched this video, and now I've been binging their music for like the past two weeks. Like you see that people are getting invested in them. And a few weeks ago, they hadn't really known much about BTS, and now they're a full-on army. So clearly, um, fans were something. They weren't, people didn't come out of the womb 
listening to <laughs> BTS, you know what I mean? Like, they were most likely already part of the GP. I mean, don't get us wrong. Now that some armies are adults, there's a fair, there's a there, fair there, chance there, that's... There, there's a big... <laughs> yeah, no. Now there was definitely someone who was, like, born 2017 and was just born listening to DNA, okay? But... <laughs> <laughs> But you, you, you get the point of what I'm saying, that GP, I mean, it's so weird to just assume that people in fandoms aren't real people. That's right. basically what it boils down to. Before we were fans, we were something else. We were just regular people. I mean, we still are regular people now that we're fans, don't get us wrong. But before we adopted being an army as part of our identity... We were just the GP like everybody else. I, like, like when it came to my first encounters with K-pop, like, it's not like I had any prior knowledge of it beforehand. Um, you know, a lot of people just think that armies kind of pop up. They just manifest out of nowhere. That's not true. We were we had to be something before we were an army there needed to be that conversion process and the fact that bts can do it so quickly for so many people i mean that's why like so many people use the phrase uh going down the rabbit hole when it comes to getting into bts because it's just so easy to start with i just wanted to know their names to suddenly like knowing everything about their life and just getting into their music so that's one important reason why uh, having a dedicated fan base is not a drag. Also, having a dedicated fan base means the artists have a steady income because people are actually spending, you know, money on their artists and I guess in a way their labels, so their label can they keep investing in them. And so more money means more funding for future music related projects. It's kind of this give it and take cycle. And we know that um, maybe we don't see it that much in the Western music industry because they're very hush-hush about it. But if you're in the hmm. K-pop sphere, you see all the time that there are smaller groups from smaller companies that have to start a make star or crowdfunding for their next mini album. So, of course, you know, having a dedicated fandom that is there that's going to buy their concert tickets buy their physical albums buy their merchandise that is going to help them keep going right exactly and just having that steady income i feel like a lot of people don't realize how much again because we talked about this before streams don't really contribute to that um m like Pretty much every artist, like their main income is never gonna be from streams. It's gonna be from sales. It's gonna be from people attending concerts. It's gonna be from people buying merch. And if you were really invested in that artist, then you would be willing to go out of pocket to, you know, support them because even though, you know, emotional support is nice, you know, telling them that you like their music is nice, uh, your love alone is not gonna pay their bills. You can you know, throw all the hearts you want at them, uh, the landlord is still going to be knocking on their door whenever rent is due. So that's why it is so important for you to support your favorite artist because that's what's going to keep them going. And like we, you know, just stated about making sure there is this present demand there, that's how they the labels are able to gauge the demand because they see, oh, they're getting 
this many sales and then you know plus this many streams and it's you know this percentage of people that are probably going to have the funds and the means to attend a concert and then that's how artists you know start with uh, arenas and then work their way up if they ever get there to things like stadium shows so people are are able when i say people i mean music execs are able to gauge demand uh for concerts so then that way they can book the appropriate venues and so of course some labels um i'm talking now in k-pop terms terms are just like terrible at uh demand in you know certain areas like for example i'm a mama moo fan they've been here for seven years now and they've never had a world tour they've never toured outside of south korea they just do domestic tours and like festivals and fan meets they've never once toured outside of south korea and they're one of the biggest girl groups so it really makes no sense right um and that falls on the label of course but when we look at the music industry as a whole it is important that you spend money to support the artists beyond streaming because that's what is going to make the label see that they are worth an investment right because uh i don't remember who it was it might have been jyp or something but he was talking about how when it comes to planning out concerts and whatever um it's not streams that they look at to gauge demand it's always the sales because anybody can go on the internet and stream your music but it's going to take a true fan to want to spend money on a physical copy of the album that they can keep in their home um you know general public aren't going to go into the k-pop section of a store and buy the love yourself trilogy albums no right that's what a fan is going to do and so that's why whenever you spend money on something like that or whenever you buy merch or whenever you do anything that's going to give that artist actual money you know they use that as a gauge and if you're not willing to go out of pocket and support your artists if possible if you can that is if you have the means then you know a lot of labels are going to have trouble gauging demand and if you know the sales are low then they're going to assume that the artists that they have are not worth investing for and it's going to be especially sucky if you know that particular act is not the only act under that label because that means whatever funding was supposed to go towards for example like i don't know their next comeback because it's going to be funneled into like some other group's comeback or something like that exactly and there are there are plenty of examples that we can see in the k-pop sphere of smaller labels that have like one group that got really big and that's their main money maker and then all of a sudden all the other acts that get added to that label you see an increase in quality of their physicals and increase in quality of music videos uh it's just it's just how it works (laughs) Right, exactly. And um, I guess the next point we have as to why having a dedicated fan base isn't a drag is that having a dedicated fan base means that the artist, the artist basically has better emotional connection with their audience because it can help, you know, when they're in need of more support. Because, for example, uh, you know, a really good example I can think of is when 
uh, whenever BTS go to American award shows, because I remember, especially during 2017 and 2018, that was like the beginning of their ascent into the American mainstream market and performing at, you know, places like the BBMAs, at the AMAs, they felt nervous because this is the first time uh, they're going to be in a place where they're not sure, you know, how big their demand was. So for them to walk into, for example, like the the Billboard Music Awards the first time and they saw how loud the audience was for them, that helped them um, because they knew that there were people in the venue who were supporting them and it made it all the more better for them, especially when they're performing. For example, at the AMAs, I know they talked about how when they're performing there the first time they were so nervous, but because of, you know, ARMY's cheering and, you know, ARMY's doing the fan chants, it really made them feel a lot more comfortable, which you know, helped them do their best during that night. So things exactly. like that. They, things like that I feel like are really underrated and underappreciated when it comes to why it's important to having a dedicated fan base and you can see how that impacts people especially BTS given that this pandemic has prevented them from seeing armies physically at all so like emotionally like at you know during the beginning of the pandemic they were feeling like a lot more down because they weren't able to see armies at the venues that's why they don't perform at music shows anymore because there's no armies there there's no point for them there Exactly, and um, it's slightly off topic, but sort of in topic in a roundabout way, but that reminds me of how I would get so annoyed when people would complain that BTS don't stick around for like all the cool western after parties, they're not like building western connections, they're not mingling with all these western celebrities, and it's like they don't feel comfortable, like they a lot of times are the only, probably the only Asian um, mm. people in the room, the only non-English speaking and maybe not non-English speaking, but only Korean speaking people in the room. And it's a very uncomfortable experience to have to mingle with people that probably aren't that interested in BTS. They just see, oh, they have this large fandom. Let me, let me talk to them. Um, so of course, after all these award shows, they would go right back to their hotel, turn on V Live, and talk to armies because it's where they feel comfortable. It's where they feel safe. Yeah, when because I remember uh, what was it? I, I believe it was the Variety brunch back in like 2019, I think. Um, uh, yeah, where I'm talking about yeah, yeah. So basically, um, at that place, BTS were basically again like the last said they were like the only you know, non-English speaking, probably only the Korean, only Koreans there. And so um, there was this clip of them that surfaced during that day where they were kind of sitting on the couches. And then uh, I think Jungkook asked something like, oh, so what do we do now? And then Namjoon's like, I'm not sure, just pretend like you know. And so it's like, nobody's really talking to them. Nobody's informing them of what's going on. They kind of just have to sit there clueless and they don't really know what they're supposed to be doing. And it's like, why? like would anyone want to go through that that's why i don't blame them for not staying at those events because they don't really feel all that welcome there they're never accommodated for you know especially during like the earlier days of them like going around and like having their rounds of interviews in american tv shows like it was like basically like very rare that they would get a Korean uh, to English translator and vice versa. Like, and there was, there was know, no translator. Yeah, and I know it's great that, you know, English gets to practice. I'm sorry, English. Namjoon gets to practice his English skills, but it is, like, I'm not even fluent in another language, but it would be so exhausting to not only, 
speaking English, but then have to translate for six other people and, you know, translate in a way that, you know, makes sense for American audiences. And you know for a fact that as, you know, interviews went on as the years went by, Namjoon was definitely not translating the entirety of what BTS was saying. He would translate probably only about like 30% and I don't blame him because it's exhausting and um, I don't know if part of that you can blame you know Big Hit for not having a Korean English translator but also maybe there was a Korean English translator they just weren't doing their job or maybe you know, some places said they have translators and then they didn't. Like, I don't know what the behind the scenes is, but I just know that it's been mentally exhausting for BTS to simply exist in the Western music industry. But I know that they're able to continue enduring that existence because of us, because of armies. Right. So that's what I say when, like, things like emotional support from your fans is something that is constantly overlooked as to why having a fan base is important because i don't know i feel like since we as armies feel a lot more of a sense of duty when it comes to consuming bts's music and making sure that it tops on the charts i feel like because of that um we're just naturally more connected to their work because we resonate with it so much that we want to see it do well and that in turn you know makes us connect with bts even more because they appreciate and respect what we're trying to do as well as us to them and for a lot of western fandoms they don't really have to work as hard as us to achieve the kind of things that bts are achieving so i feel like when they are listening well not all of them not everyone in a singular fandom but like when some people are listening to certain western acts they might not feel that connection as strongly and so when they see us and how you know deeply attached we are to bts they think it's weird they think it's concerning they think they basically try and pathologize it so right yeah and then another reason why you know having a dedicated fan base isn't a drag it's a good thing is when there comes a period of time where the GP isn't as interested, uh, it's not a problem because the fans are there to fill that gap, which is, you know, what we're seeing with BTS. And we know BTS is like an astronomical example, an anomaly, whatever, but it's still a good model. And it's an interesting model of how impactful fandoms are. BTS is able to chart and be where they at because the fans are buying the music because the fans are making sure that their hard work the fruits are shown for it and imagine if we didn't you know get together and say okay we need to really focus on sales we need to focus on this we need to focus on this i mean BTS wouldn't be charting the way they do because then we'd just be relying on radio stations. And we know radio stations are trash. Even they BTS's, never help us. BTS's uh, record, their American label, what, are they with Columbia? Yeah, they're with Columbia. I don't know why I always forget. I think I mix up <laughs> Columbia and Interscope sometimes. But um, 
Columbia is trash. We said it before, but literally, Life Goes On came out, and Columbia was promoting Dynamite, and armies were like, what are you doing? All the comments were just like, shut the hell up. <laughs> we were so angry, and rightfully so, because it's just so blatantly obvious that if armies were not there, Life Goes On wouldn't be number one. We wouldn't have gotten that. And I really am thankful that we did, and I know BTS are thankful too, um, to show them that their Korean discography is worth it. And if we weren't here, they they wouldn't be shown that love and support. Right, and the industry, like Delana said, it does absolute jack for us. It literally is giving go girl, give us nothing vibes because like when it came to, for example, not even just life goes on, but um, on. I remember when we were streaming that, and God, it, <laughs> I know it brings back dark memories. If anyone was here for Map of the Soul Seven era, anyway, um, you know when on first debuted at number four on the Hot 100. I remember being so excited because A, that was the highest we had ever charted a single of theirs, and like B, I remember like the first reaction was like, oh my gosh, like we did that without radio play, we're so crazy, like we did that without radio play, but then the more I said that, I kind of just sat down and like thought to myself, I was like, no radio play, like this song literally got no radio play, why? And it makes me so mad to think that an artist with as big of a demand as BTS. Mind you, there are not even, there are some mainstream Western artists that do not even sell out stadiums the way that BTS do in these Western artists' own home country. But the radio is going to sit here and talk about, oh, well, maybe if BTS was more popular, they'd actually get played on the radio. And it's like, stop lying to us because they clearly are popular. You see the demand on the charts, you see it in their sales, and you see it in their concert attendance. But then, like, when it comes to playing them on the radio, suddenly it's a no from you. I don't understand that. Exactly. It's so illogical. And the whole, oh, um, they they just need to try harder. No, it, it breaks my heart when I remember that tweet someone posted. They had a photo of, I'm pretty sure you remember this, Daisy, but it was yeah. back when Spring Day and You Never Walk Alone that uh, Wings Repackage came out and Spring Day was sent to radio stations but they were literally thrown out or given away. Right, and an ARMY found a copy of one of those um, Spring Day CDs that Big Hit had sent to radio stations at a garage sale. Like, that really, like... I remember it just hit me so hard. And, you know, another argument that, you know, radio stations made was that, oh, well, maybe if armies were nicer to them. And it's like, armies were so nice to you. We sent you time. cupcakes. We sent you flowers there. And you can find proof of that. There's lots of radio stations that literally post the gifts we send because we would thank them for having BTS come talk, just talk on their station. Even and BTS has noticed them and talked about it. Exactly. Uh, so, for, and also, I, I'm sorry, I, I don't care um, if a stan on Twitter says something rude to you. Why, why does BTS still not deserve respect? Like, what? Right. Like, there are so many artists where I can think of where their fandoms have pr plenty of toxic fans. But 
like when it comes to playing those artists on the radio you don't see those stands having to go through the same type of lecture that armies do for some reason like there are plenty of other you know fandoms that say and do toxic things but then when it comes to getting bts to be played on the radio suddenly we have to be polite as if we weren't doing that already the only reason why army started jumping certain radio hosts is because mm-hmm. you know there was that time where um one of these radio djs said that they were on a facebook group that was for like all these different radio djs and they'd be trash talking armies trash talking bts talk about how um, you know, they would joke about like the gifts that armies would send. For example, if they sent cupcakes, some radio hosts would joke that, oh, armies poison them, ha ha. Like just making very yes, like unnecessary, that, I, I disrespectful that. jokes. It was so rude. And that's that's also like what always really annoys me when you know people say, oh, armies just need to be nicer. You know, that's why no one likes them. But the thing is, we were so nice for so long, and we're just tired. Like, we're, we're not going to put up with it. So, yeah, a lot of armies are going to bite back extra hard this time because it's been clear that no matter how nice we are, you still have this preconceived notion of us. And there's nothing we can do. We could literally solve probably, I don't know, climate change itself, okay? We could... <laughs> I don't know, we could liquidate Jeff Bezos' assets and... I would liquidate Jeff Bezos himself, I would liquidate, yeah, I would liquidate him himself. And it would still be, oh, they they are self-absorbed and ridiculous and just stupid fangirls that are, you know, with with an Asian fetish. I don't know, whatever BS they say about us. But, yeah, people are done being nice. People aren't going to say, oh, thank you so much for playing BTS. Let me send you some cupcakes. No, BTS sold out Wembley Stadium. You should be playing them. Like, no questions asked. That's why I, like, I don't do these radio polls when radio stations on Twitter are like, who do you want to see us play? Like, I'm not playing your stupid games. I'm not doing it anymore. Exactly, especially if you're going to do something stupid, like play one of BTS's songs at like 3 o'clock in the morning. I don't want your graveyard hours, okay? Either you treat them with respect or you go. And clearly since they're not interested in treating BTS with the same respect as other mainstream Western artists, that's why it is so important that BTS have us. Because if they didn't have us, they would have nobody and they would never have gotten this far. Exactly. But yeah, that pretty much concludes that section. So the next section um, we want to talk about are basically like the consequences of not having a big enough dedicated fan base. And, you know, I think with this section, what we definitely want to do is bring up some more examples um, so you can like just really understand how somebody can go from like mainstream success to like basically little to no relevancy in a matter of a few years if their fan base is not solidified enough exactly and i you know remember people on twitter were clowning uh, like katy perry's first week album sales because it was only like 700 something which is like god which is ridiculous when you think about it or not ridiculous but it's just absolutely shocking because everyone has heard of katy perry everyone knows katy perry she was 
like the pop girl of the 2010s and so it's like what happened and so I did a little bit of digging to see like how much she had fallen off and her uh two her last album Witness which was in 2017 uh the U.S. sales for that was 311,000 not bad her recent album Smile that came out 2020 I think like November September something like that 67,000 US sales and I did the calculation it was a 78.4% drop in sales so in three years she dropped almost 80% like that is insane to do me. her fans hate her how does that happen right and I know somebody was talking to me earlier um, I think a couple of days ago about like Katy Perry and how um, there was some type of issue with her label. Apparently, like, her label had, like, just really dropped in terms of, like, supporting her. And, like, I definitely understand that. But if anything, that's more of an incentive for the fans right. to sort of kick in and be like, hey, we really need a supporter if her label is not going to be doing it anymore. Um, so, you know, when you see that and still, like, there's an almost 80% drop in sales, that's literally... Like, I want you guys to understand that is literally almost all of her sales, bro. That is almost all of her sales that she does not have. And you're here talking about how it's important to have GP success when in a matter of three years, you can go from three, uh, 311,000 sales to 67,000. Yeah, I don't think so. Exactly. And a lot of people say, oh, well, you know, she's already like solidified herself as a pop icon so who cares and i'm like i'm pretty sure katie perry cares right because she wants to know that she's still relevant and that people still like her music (laughs) like what kind of stupid question is that and this is not even like you don't even know how much like time money and effort she spent on creating that music from the beginning because like like when it comes to music like that's a whole album that she sat down she planned out she wrote the lyrics she worked with producers like she put effort into whatever album she put out and people just did not like the response was just not there and you know it's crazy because again when i've said this before but like when it comes to doing stuff like buying physicals basically doing things that put actual money in the artist and the label's pockets a lot of times it really is not just the artist that needs to get paid it's you know if they've worked with any producers in-house or out of house or if they've worked with for example in you know k-pop's case if they've worked with choreographers or if they've worked with um I mean, for example, if they're filming a music video, if they've worked with directors, if they've worked with prop designers, all sorts of different things. And, you know, all those people are going to take a cut out of whatever has been earned from that music or that music video. And, you know, if it's not enough, then that's really going to impact not just the artist, but everybody involved. And of course, you know, we're not saying that she should be exponentially growing. I mean, you have to peak at some point, right? But usually people maybe peak, have like maybe a small little decline, and then they kind of just plateau. This was Mm. almost like a 90 degree drop, okay? This was not a plateau. This is a roller coaster ride. Like if, I, I I just don't understand how that could have possibly happened. 
because you know she again like you said like she was such an icon especially in the beginning of the 2010s so to see her go like from the top of the charts to only 67,000 sales that's very depressing I know like at this like I I'm not gonna like clown that because why kick someone when they're already down you know what I mean like I just I just feel sad it is very sad and like I said this should have been more of an incentive to support Katy Perry but people just again the reception wasn't great and it's really unfortunate what happened to her and you know obviously since we've you know just talked about a western artist it would seem to it would, it would make sense for us to also talk about i don't know k-pop artists who have also experienced like something similar to this there there was this tweet a few weeks ago that really like it made me so angry um and it had to do with someone talking about how bts isn't organic groups like brave girls are organic and like that basically saying that like brave girls success should have been like should be like a model for what's organic first of all i i don't know it just makes me so angry because they were struggling so hard they were on the brink of disbandment they you know a lot of times some k-pop groups have to pick up a part-time job at like a coffee shop or something because they just don't make any money performing and now the now that they went viral because of a youtube video um they they are seeing massive success they're getting so many brand deals i just saw that they've become a new ambassador for um tourism so like that yeah which is huge right and you know that's great and i'm so happy for them like i think especially for women that um, I think are in like the early 30s and you know we know how the music industry treats older women so like oh, I yeah. so like I'm very happy for them but they should not be the model of success if you are waiting for a group you like to just get a viral hit that could never come most likely will never come because that you know that's a rare thing it's not like everyday there's just like this new unknown group that's just like suddenly viral that's not how it works you know what i mean um so no that that shouldn't be a way to live why do you want your favorite artist to be in fear that they can't make they can't be successful off of what they want to do because it's not realistic when you're not making any money same thing happened with EXID. EXID went viral because of a fan cam of Hani performing up and down a few years back. And with that, EXID was, you know, they're more, they're a little bit older now. So they didn't, um, they're like still together, but they kind of, move, they're doing their own thing right now. Um, but they wouldn't be able to go and do their own thing if they didn't make money from that one viral instance and that viral instance honey says uh she's very thankful to that fan who did that fan cam because you know they were on the brink of disbandment they really were and that basically completely revitalized their career and you know that is a good thing i really like EXID, so i'm happy for them but that's that's not a way to live right you know living 
that's barely living. You should not be constantly anxious of your future. And I think it's just absolutely horrid that people would rather people would rather see see their faith groups be anxious constantly about how are they going to pay their rent um, instead of having a dedicated fan base like BTS does. And now that I'm thinking about it, um, I actually remember because there used to be this thread on Twitter. I think the person who made it, like, I don't think their account is there anymore, RIP, but it was this thread about um, Fifth Harmony being the messiest girl group. Um, I know, Delilah, you've seen that thread before. Um, Oh, yeah. Yeah, and there was this one video. I remember this video in particular because it just really was like, wow, to me, where um, Fifth Harmony was in an interview and they were talking about how, you know, a lot of fans thought that, you know, because, uh, you know, they got played on the radio, that they must be like so rich and famous or whatever. So people got surprised when they saw members of Fifth Harmony, like taking the bus and they're like, what are you doing here? Like, where's your fancy car? And Fifth Harmony is like, look, we don't make that much money. Like, you know, I feel like I feel like a lot of people really have this illusion that if you are being played on the radio or if you are at the top of a Spotify streaming playlist, that you've automatically made it. But a lot of these artists behind, you know, the smoking mirror, you know, are struggling financially, emotionally, like it's not really doing like it's not really going well for them. And so this is why I don't believe people when they talk about oh you know so what if we don't stream like what does that do oh what if we don't buy what does that do it's like it does a lot of things it does a lot of things and first of all if if if, why it should not we've already talked about this it shouldn't be a tour to stream a group that you apparent that you supposedly like if you like their music then streaming should just be fine um if the amount of, I don't know, just the amount of comments I see of people saying, um, I don't need to stream, um, I never stream, like, change your profile picture, like, why, why are you out here declaring proudly you don't stream your favorite group's music, that's so weird, it's, it's so weird, I can't comprehend that, like, do you, if they see that, they're not gonna be happy, they're going to be sad and wonder what they're doing wrong. And we talk about it on so many episodes, I know, but every episode we still do not understand why people flex not supporting their faves. I'm like, your faves are literally on the brink of getting evicted from their apartment, their lights and water have already been cut off, the gas is going next, and your landlord has been banging on the door for the past two hours. How is that a flex to want your idols to struggle while you can sit here and probably claim that you do not support them, especially, even when you have the means to? I especially hate people who have the means to support their faves outside of like just streaming, and then they don't. It's like, why do you want them to? Why do you want them to suffer? Why? It's it's ridiculous, and I I just know that these people. They have to dislike their own faves. They have to not really be fans because there's just so many instances, instances where I see people like just they're just so nasty and rude about supporting this group they supposedly like. Um, I'll I'll give an example. Like I see a lot of people, um, Blinks, 
they, you know, get upset that Blackpink don't interact with fans that much, they don't do lives and stuff. Rose did a live stream for her birthday and the comments were insulting her and telling her her clothes were too revealing and all this other stuff. So, of course, yeah, so like, it it was, she was wearing like a cardigan and there was like, what are two buttons unbuttoned? There wasn't even any cleavage, it was stupid. But anyway, it's like, you can't like be so apathetic and you know not see these people as human and then expect them to like give you stuff in return that's not how it works like of course blackpink um are interacting with their fans because their fans hate them (laughs) honestly i know that within the blackpink fandom there's like a huge problem with solo stance i mean as armies we understand um solo stance in our fandom have just been really wilding out especially like within the past year so i definitely but how, do you, how do you have so many there's four members like right why is it so difficult to like all four it's very mind-boggling like i i'm not gonna get into it but i, I just think it's so depressing how much people go out of their way to hate on the music that their favorite artists make that to hate on the people in general like it, it really makes no sense um but moving on to another reason having a fan base is important and you know really physically supporting them is k-pop groups have been disbanding because of covid19 they like we said earlier we established earlier a bulk of music artists sales come from concerts come from that ticket revenue comes from merchandise comes from physical sales and so global pandemic no one's touring no one is selling tickets um especially k-pop groups where they're in basically another lockdown you know they're definitely not going to want to be traveling um so groups that you know might at least be somewhat known are now disbanding. Um, the examples I have um, is a girl group called Neon, Neon Punch. I mean, I don't really follow them. I've heard of them. They debuted in 2018. They just disbanded last year specifically because of the COVID-19 pandemic, and they didn't have enough money to, you know, keep paying, you know, the staff and um, the members. So they disbanded. Uh, boy group Spectrum, who debuted in 2018, also. They also had to disband because they didn't have money for COVID-19 and I don't even think like those groups had necessarily necessarily zero fans um but it was just not enough uh so yeah it is important for these groups to make money beyond streaming and I know a lot of people have had issues with um like hype doing so many merchandise drops but i think the reason for all the merchandise drops is because they're not making money from touring um that's the like we said a lot of sales are specifically from touring and you know when you invest a lot in reserving venues and planning and doing you know a lot goes into making a concert you not only it's not just the artists being paid it's the light designers it's the stage crew there's so much that goes into it it's the security it's the people that clean up afterwards it's paying the venue themselves 
and it's the stage production, and so a lot goes into making a concert, first of all. And then on top of that, you have to get sales to make that money back and hopefully have some extra to invest into their next comeback, their next concert, their next album, their next single. But no concerts are happening. There's no tours. So a huge chunk of money is just suddenly gone, just like that. And it's really sad to see because there are so many artists who really try to make, for example, 2020 their year. And because of this pandemic, it really just did not work out. A lot of small artists or up and coming artists really just got the shortest end of the stick. And now most of them are gone or probably on hiatus right now. I don't know. There's hundreds of groups that debut all the time. So, you know, who knows how many of them are gone for good. But just to think about the numbers is just really just depressing honestly i know a lot of people like to say that oh well not everyone can have a fan base as big as bts it's like we're i mean yeah yeah like that's an (laughs) bts are just an anomaly on their own um so we're not saying oh you you know fans you know need to do better because uh you guys are just like so small and you need more fans blah 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 blah. it's not like that there's still things you can do even with half of the size of armies even if you only have maybe five percent of armies if you can be if you act as a collective then of course there there's going to be some impact with that do you know the amount of people we see making streaming goals making like uh, money pools for albums, all of that um, army impact. Like, I'm just going to put straight up. And so when I see people, you know, say, well, we're not as big as army, so there's nothing we can do. Like, don't, don't discourage yourself like that. Like, you're not even trying and you don't want to try. And then you wonder why your, your faves group is out of the top 100 on Melon. <laughs> Right. There's so many things that you can do, even with a small percentage of what our fandom was. I mean, back when our fandom was that small percentage of what it is today, we armies were still doing things, you know? People think that armies weren't working hard to, you know, try and get BTS's music up there from, you know, their earlier days. I mean, it wasn't just 2017 that people were working hard. I mean, people have been working hard in the fandom since. That's why armies are never complacent because we've learned that anything that we want for BTS, we have to work for it. And if everyone else would just adopt that mentality, I feel like a lot more artists would be better off because solely relying on the general public, especially when you're up and coming, is just never a good idea because you, again, like we were saying before, you can easily get overshadowed by something that's the next best thing and GP will just move on from you. That's why fan bases are there to soften the blow because even when everybody else leaves you alone, you will always have your fan base. So people really need to stop ragging on fan bases when they are vital to every person's career. And people act like fan bases are just a music thing. They're not. Again, there are plenty of people who are Instagram influencers. They have a fan base. YouTubers have a fan base. There are so many different platforms where people have fan bases, but people suddenly think of fan bases as like a typical, you know, music 
you know, a pop star thing. It's not just a pop star thing. There are fandoms for so many different things. And for all those different fandoms, just relying on people who are not nearly as invested in your work never ends up fair and well, ever. Imagine, imagine if, like, sports fans talked the same way that, like, some K-pop fans do. Like, yeah, this athlete is, like, my favorite athlete, but I'm not going to watch their game. No, I refuse. (laughs) (laughs) No. It's just so weird. Like, imagine people talking about uh, sports the way that they talk about, like, our fan base. It's like, oh, you know, uh this person in football is only popular because they have a lot of fans and it's like well duh of course they have fans that's why they're popular you can apply to really anything oh tom holland's my favorite actor but i'm not gonna watch this new netflix movie i'm not gonna go watch spider-man 3 it's like what (laughs) like what are you a fan of right or getting at people's like oh you know this movie only has a lot of uh box office sales because their fan base is massive like why don't why don't we just get people who are not interested in the plot of this movie at all that's more organic (laughs) it's like it's, it's like expecting like every time a new marvel movie comes out for non-marvel fans to just be in the movie theater and that's what's considered organic like that doesn't make sense to me like of course people who enjoy the content and are invested in the content and actively follow it are going to be what is considered organic success exactly like when you really start applying this logic to other things and i don't think it's something that's not applicable i think it's completely applicable um and I I am genuinely baffled every day by just the excuses I see that people, I feel like people make more of an effort complaining about streaming and having to stream than if they just streamed. <laughs> like, I feel like it takes more effort to argue why streaming, buying music is useless. Right. And it just really baffles me because so many people talk about, oh, you know, armies are like forcing BTS's uh, demand because they're mass streaming and mass buying. I'm like, no, duh. We're a massive fandom. Of course, a lot of us are going to be streaming like, and buying we, what they put out. BTS is forcing a demand. No, like we are the demand. Right. Like that's how that works. Um, if like if BTS is able to get to the number one on the Hot 100, life goes on. For example purely on sales and then like some streaming mixed in like you know that your system that is relying heavily on radio is broken super broken and people want to act like bts is the poster child for everything wrong with like uh charting and all that when the system has been broken for ages and just because armies are changing the game with actual demand does not mean that like bts is faking it because if anything it shows how many people aside from bts are faking it there are so many people who use different types of industry tactics to try and fake it till they make it all the way to the top of the chart and you have bts here and they don't need to rely on any industry support to be in the top of the charts and somehow that is what is considered inorganic when everybody knows that like that's not the case and i feel like this is just a perfect segue into 
you know, some other arguments that we've heard about them because, you know, as we've talked about, people have this stupid logic of, oh, they're only famous because of their fans, because again, fans are the only people who actively and consistently support our favorite artists. And again, as I've mentioned before, fans are proof that the artist is worth investing into something aside from the GP who may know somebody but don't know enough about them to be a fan. And, you know, because of this, um, like we were just talking about how people complain about BTS on the charts, they argue now that like things like sales streams and charts are just not an accurate measure of who's an impactful artist. And so that only leaves radio play and concert attendance as the only other criteria we can really use to determine somebody's impact. But, you know, radio play, as you know, everyone is, uh, as everyone knows by now, um, it's or been, should know. Yeah, or should know, because honestly, like, even though we've been saying it for time, some people are still not aware, but you should know this. Radio play is often controlled by music label executives who play, pay radio stations to play their artists, which means a lot of what you hear on the radio is not the result of fans or anyone from the general public calling or texting in to request certain songs. It's all being controlled by higher ups who basically choose what to play and what not to play on the radio. And it's not a measure of, oh, this many people wanted this song to be played. Because, I mean, if you really didn't know by now, think about how there are certain songs that are constantly overplayed on the radio and nobody enjoys them, but they still get played. Why is that? Hmm, I wonder. Exactly. And then when you think about, like, concert attendance, so we know radio play is BS, whatever. Okay, concert attendance. BTS have some of the best like concert attendance ratios like in existence because you know you can sell out stadiums but that doesn't mean everyone who purchased a ticket is actually going to go um and a lot of that is also because of the presence of scalpers and stuff but you can best believe that um the way the system works um because i know taylor swift has also implemented a system to like reduce scalpers and stuff but you can, I can guarantee that 100% of the tickets that sell out, 98, 98% of those sold out tickets are going to be actual armies attending that concert. Um, BTS do stadium tours that sell out. And you, you know, we've seen the footage, they're huge. And going back to, you know, their Wembley success, there's only 13 artists, I believe, 13 that have completely sold out Wembley Stadium and BCS is one of those 13 so yes their attendance 100% is matching what should be on the charts it's not it's not bots it's not you know these scammers that are attending the concerts like they're real people and we see that with the sales so it really just baffles me when people want to act like there's absolutely no way that BTS can prove that they have an organic demand because all these different methods and different metrics that people have basically said don't count, streams, sales, charting, radio play, apparently none of that counts. So. I mean, if what's left is concert attendance, if you compare BTS's concert attendance to like other Western artists' concert attendance, you can clearly see that a lot of people want them in all parts of the world, but North America, South America, Europe, Asia, 
everywhere. Like there's so many people exactly. who are invested in BTS enough to go out of pocket and pay for concert tickets. And concert tickets are not cheap, especially with BTS because their stage production is way bigger than a lot of artists I have seen out there. So it is not, you know, just some $20 that you're spending on a ticket. No, no, no. It's probably if you're like in a stadium, probably like around 50 to $120. And so for people to say that it's just like bots or whatever who are BTS's fans, but then like you go to their concert photos in stadiums and the audience is massive. There are basically no gaps in the seats. There's absolutely no way that you can tell me that BTS do not have like proper support, that their support can't be considered authentic. You know, I think the reason this is so exhausting is because it's giving me, like, 2015, 2016, oh, no day song, no, <laughs> no opinion. Okay, well, they got that. Oh, no, no perfect all kill, no opinion. And then they got that, and then it's this whole, um, oh, it's it's just armies, the Korean general public is not interested in BTS. Their face is everywhere. You can't turn a corner in Seoul without seeing, you know, a photo stand of, like, Jin holding a product. I don't know. Um, there's... The goalpost is just constantly being moved. Spring day. God, what a petty queen. Still, still <laughs> charting. And I, I promise you, there's no way that armies are keeping spring day afloat this long when there are just so many other songs we you know there's map of the soul seven there's b there was persona there is just so many (laughs) songs that bts have constantly added to their discography since spring day there's no way it's armies keeping that song on the charts like come on so girl it's been four and a half years I know, it's been so long, and I need the whole, they don't have GP, they definitely have Korean GP, I'm sorry, they 100% do, um, and they have Western GP too, because that's us. Right, and when it comes to having GP support, BTS has a lot of it, and that's great. However, that's not their main source of support, which is why it is so important that you have that fan base. I mean, you can't just be performing in some empty stadium. You need to have a dedicated fan base that's willing to spend money on a concert ticket, that's willing to buy your albums and stuff like that. So this is why I honestly do not care when like people talk about how oh you know this doesn't count this doesn't count because it's like at the end of the day you're just denying reality and bts is going to continue coming out on top whether you like it or not because i remember there was um there was this one article recently um because butter has been on the charts for so long and it was blocking i don't remember what song it was it might have been one of lil nas x's songs and it wasn't like basically i think it was it was either Lil Nas X or Justin Bieber. I don't remember what song, but anyway, there was a song on number two, and that article was basically saying that um, the number two was basically the new number one on Hot 100, which is basically oh, yeah. completely invalidating BTS's impact and their talent. Um, it's basically saying that because BTS now has number one, that you know actually topping the chart doesn't count because it's not a show of who really deserves it. They're basically saying that now because that right. now BTS has a number one song that 
having number two basically means the new number one for some reason even though even though like a western artist just went number one like the other day and where was that article where was it exactly it's it's i think that's why we're so exhausted it's just a repeat of k-pop discourse oh um they songs don't mean anything they give them out to anyone oh pox don't mean anything um triple crowns don't mean anything like bts has basically checked off every single box possible but it's still not enough it's still fake it's still inorganic no matter what they do so you know what we're just tired (laughs) right we're just tired like when it comes to arguing with western fans i feel less sympathy for them because i really do (laughs) because when it comes to the talking points again it's stuff that we've already like argued with for with like other k-pop fans so we're like years deep into this mess so when it comes to their talking points i i don't care i'll jump you you just like like honestly when it comes to that especially um mediocre middle-aged white men giving their opinion on bts I will 100% ratio you, and I do not care. I'm sorry. Exactly. And, yeah, I think I think that concludes everything. Right, so I guess to wrap this episode up, um, having a dedicated fan base is way better than relying on just GP support. It reaps a ton of more benefits that we have already listed for you guys. It is not a drag if an artist becomes famous because of their fans, because that's the point of fans. And if they have fans, that means that they're doing something right as an artist. And honestly, with the way that the US industry has shoved BTS out time and time again, and armies have basically continuously exposed the corruption in the Western industry, especially America, it shows like why it's important. And now more than ever that you know, artists, especially artists who are POC and indie artists, like it's so important for them to have groups of people who are willing to support them when all odds are against them. So for anybody who says that um, having fans isn't that important and having GP support is important, F you, screw you. You don't know what you're talking about. You're dumb, the end. Well, period. Um, <laughs> I, I think there's no better way to end it off so that concludes this episode um i'll try to edit out the ac as much as i can in the background it's like 94 degrees so i'm sorry it's hot i have to have the giant ac going and it's funny because like i have my fan like literally right behind me as we've been recording this podcast because um these construction workers came in to like install some flooring in our living room and because like they were going in and out and they were like leaving like our garage door open my dad actually turned off the ac so like it has been oh my God. hot as hell in my house and so i just needed this fan on all day so if you guys can hear that i'm sorry it was also hot over here <laughs> uh we we love east coast weather give give it give us maybe like three weeks um the temperature will drop to like 30 degrees <laughs> it's because it's summer and when it's summer over here on the east coast um especially where we are um it's just a lot of humidity and summer storms and it's gross and i hate it and it goes back and forth between that and just like blistering sun so that's that's yeah. that's our weather in a nutshell <laughs> yep. Um, pretty sure you guys didn't didn't need to hear our sob story about East Coast weather, but there you have it. So, 
uh, yeah, that concludes this episode. Uh, don't forget to turn on notifications if you don't have them on already, so then that way you can see, um, see. Be notified when our next episode releases. Also, whatever you're listening to this on, um, if you can leave a review or give it a rating, do that, please. It would be very nice. (laughs) So... Thank you, everyone, and we will see you next time. All right. Bye for now. Talk with Army is written and edited by Daisy and Delilah, who you can find on Twitter at Nija329. That is at N-A-I-J-A-0329. And Adorable Trap at A-D-O-R-A-B-1-E-T-R-A-P. You can also follow our official podcast Twitter at studio underscore 090713. That's at S-T-U-D-I-O underscore 090713. The thumbnail art was commissioned by Rafa, who can be found on Twitter at RKDraws. That's A-R-E-K-A-Y underscore D-R-A-W-S. Stay tuned for a preview of the next episode. The idea that, oh, two people of the same gender can be in a relationship and then play it off as laughs. It's, why do people get to, you know, kiss each other on stage and, you know, insinuate that they're in a gay relationship, but then they get to go home and still be heterosexual at the end of the day? You know, we don't have that luxury. And so, of course, it's... So, of course, people of the LGBT community are going to have a problem with it. Mm